Well, we've made it to the ninth lesson. I'm going to read the ninth lesson and then share for a few moments some brief reflections on the ninth lesson before we move to our before we move to the table and before we conclude this morning. The story of Christmas culminates in this fascinating concept of the incarnation, God taking on flesh, coming to us to be with us. And Paul writes about this in writing to Timothy, who he was a mentor for. And that's where we find our text for the ninth lesson this morning in Titus chapter 3, focusing on the concept of the incarnation. Titus 3, verses 1 through 7, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Flannery O'Connor was a 20th century Southern writer who was Catholic and a Christian. She was known, among other things, for her wit and her profundity. She wrote often in short stories such as one entitled The Turkey. The Turkey at its principal character, has a young boy, 11 years old. His name is Ruler, and Ruler desires to get a turkey. He's in hot pursuit of a turkey. He identifies a turkey that has been wounded, and Ruler is intent on chasing down this turkey, running the turkey essentially to death, capturing the turkey, and then taking the turkey home proudly upon his shoulder to show his family. He's got visions of what his family and others would say if he captured this turkey. And so ruler at least is praying internally, Lord, give me a turkey. If I can get a turkey, it will show your love for me and it will show other people's acceptance and commendation of me. So ruler is in pursuit. Ruler identifies the turkey. Ruler captures the turkey. And ruler has the turkey headed home. Well, on his way home, ruler is a pretty nuanced, complex character, as most of Flannery O'Connor's characters are. Ruler has a thought. Lord, would you please send me a beggar while I'm on the way home? I mean, after all, I've gotten this turkey I'd love to be able to help somebody else out. You've helped me out. I'm going to help somebody else out. And sure enough, he ends up seeing a person begging, and ruler gives this woman coins, I think all the coins that he has. He runs into some other older men, and they admire his turkey. 
and rulers, very proud about this turkey. And as he continues to get closer and closer to home, ruler ends up running in to some older boys, older than him, but not as old as the men that he had just seen admiring his turkey. And one of the older boys says, hey, let me see that turkey. And he shows him the turkey, and the older boy grabs the turkey from him, throws it to his other friend, and they take off with ruler's turkey. Ruler, needless to say, is dejected. And Flannery O'Connor ends the narrative like this. He ran faster and faster as he turned up the road to his house. His heart was running as fast as his legs, and he was certain something awful was tearing behind him with its arms rigid and its fingers ready to clutch. Brennan Manning says this about that moment. In Ruler, many Christians stand revealed and exposed. Our God, it seems, is one who benevolently gives turkeys and capriciously takes them away. When he gives them, it signals his interest and pleasure with us. We feel close to God and are spurred to generosity. When he takes them away, it signals his displeasure and rejection. We feel cast off by God. He is fickle, unpredictable, whimsical. He builds us up only to let us down. He gives only to take away. He remembers our past sins and retaliates by snatching the turkeys of health, wealth, inner peace, empire, success, and joy. I don't know what your view of God is, whether you're a Christian or not, or maybe you're not sure. But I know every person here, to one degree or another, struggles with accurately assessing who God is, how God is, and what God thinks about us. And I'm here to tell you this morning that this Christmas narrative is a proclamation and a manifestation of God's loving kindness towards his people. Christmas symbolizes God's loving kindness towards his people. It's all I want us to see for a moment out of Titus 3. It's verse 4 that I'll reread. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Do you see God who is loving and kind? Do you see Christmas as a manifestation, beautifully and humbly, of God's kindness and his lovingness? The Puritan John Owen said, The greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father... The greatest unkindness you can do to God himself is not to believe that he loves you. Do you see God as one who is kind, who is loving? 
in the Christmas story, in the stories that we've read in these texts, what we see is that God has appeared, and He's appeared for one reason. To save us. Not to save us according to our works. Verses 1 through 3 do a quite a display of our works. We don't like what verses 1 through 3 say about us, but 1 through 3 are the reality of our works. And if 1 through 3 are indicative of us, surely you don't believe that things like malice and passions of the flesh and being imprisoned by your desires and hating one another, surely you don't think these things save you. But these are your works. These are my works. But the gospel tells us that God has appeared to save us, not by our works, but by His grace. Why? Because He's kind. And because He's loving. And because what we're about to sing is true. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy. In grateful chorus raise we. With all within, let's praise His holy name. Why? Because God is kind and God is loving.